Before we get into the episode, we want to let you know we are gathering another Attaching to God learning cohort. In it, you will escape your anxious jungles and avoiding deserts of faith and grow into secure attachment with God and with others. This is a one-of-a-kind six-week cohort combining recorded teachings and live cohort calls. So you can get all the details at embodiedfaith.life slash learning dash cohorts or see the show notes for details after the description. Hey there. Sometimes we aren't just stuck spiritually. We actually feel blocked, blocked from faith, hope, and love, blocked from receiving those things from God and maybe giving those things to other people. But what if there was a way to get unblocked? And what if this thing called EMDR could help? My name is Jeff Holsklaw, and this is the Embodied Faith Podcast, where we're integrating neuroscience, spiritual formation, and faith. And as always, we're brought to you by Grassroots Christianity, which is seeking to grow faith for everyday people. So today we have a licensed family marriage and family therapist, I always say that wrong, uh, with clinical specializations in EMDR with dialectical behavior therapy, which I don't know about. So Mo can jump in and uh, Shane can jump in and tell us about that internal family systems therapy. He also has a master's of divinity. So Shane Mo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Well, to start off, I'm so glad that you do have a master's in divinity. So like myself, you have thoroughly mastered all things pertaining to the divine. So that's pretty cool, right? Right. The most oxymoronic degree uh, comparable. (laughs) We have mastered the infinite, which is the ineffable God. Absolutely. So it's one of those things that needs to be named a little bit differently. But you have all sorts of expertise, which I'm really excited about. Uh, but so we're just going to jump right in. So we have a series of episodes where we've been talking about trauma in different ways and different aspects, and then also different ways of for churches or pastors to kind of minister with people or to kind of live in and out of their own trauma. Uh, but today uh, I want to talk about EMDR, uh, and I've kind of got to know you. I joined uh, the Vineyard kind of group of churches uh, about three years ago, and I think somehow we started just kind of finding each other online, and then we met each other at the Society for Vineyard Scholars, and you were presenting a paper about this topic, which I found super interesting. And so, but to start off, can you just give us your definition or a helpful definition of trauma and kind of what it does to people internally, like their whole nervous system, mental kind of orientation? Yeah, so you might get a few different definitions of trauma from different sources maybe, but one that I I've found really helpful and I'm just going to go ahead and read it off to you. Um, sure, please. Uh, it's from the substance abuse and mental health services administration. <clears throat> they say individual trauma results from an event, series of events or set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or threatening. And that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. And and kind of a way to sum that up would be to say, you know, experiencing something that overwhelms our natural processing and coping capacities and kind of imprints on the nervous system and gets stuck there. 
and then it impacts us negatively, you know, for, for a while. So, so when, um, like people feel stuck or spiritually dry, you know, like there's spiritual practices or there's things that people could maybe engage in to kind of jumpstart the process. And throughout this, the life of this podcast, we often talk about how your spiritual capacity can really only grow as much as your relational capacity. If we believe that, you know, we're engaging with a relational God, then our relational capacities kind of need to be in sync in order to allow these things to all to grow together. But trauma in one sense, um, it can kind of not just kind of get people, you know, feeling stuck or in a malaise, like it can actually block some of those relational and therefore spiritual developments. And you talk about like faith, hope, and love and feeling like how trauma can block or kind of create a blockage in receiving or living in a faith, hope, and love. Can we talk about that real briefly? Like the first one is faith or the ability to to trust in others. How does trauma kind of impact our ability to trust other people? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people have experienced anything from an abuse, you know, from abuse or neglect, you know, by people that, you know, uh, were kind of supposed to care or provide for them or be supports, attachment figures. Um, You know, a lot of people have been just kind of shocked by, you know, experiences that kind of imprinted then, you know, on their nervous system that like, you know, it's not safe. I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. I can't trust, you know, something bad's about to happen. The other shoe's going to drop. Even good things maybe become suspect because maybe people have experienced good things, uh, you know, being used as bait, <clears throat> right, by oh, somebody sure. else who then would kind of swing around with something manipulative or, or, or you know, messy, toxic. And so, you know, people can, uh, as a result of trauma, experience and kind of carry these burdensome negative thoughts of, you know, in the area of safety, security, and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And these then become like a lens through which they, you know, can see others themselves, even God, and can't just up and decide, well, I'm just going to think differently now. <laughs> you know, so Right, right. And a lot of Christian discipleship is based around like, if you just know things better, you'll feel things differently. Uh, if you have better doctrine, then your emotions will sort themselves out. But we know that that's not the case. And trauma is part of that. So that was the first one is... Um, trust or kind of not having faith in people, uh, not feeling safe, maybe being hypervigilant mm-hmm. in situations. But then you also talk about maybe a loss of hope, or uh, I think you talk about a loss of agency. Could you kind of explain that a little bit? How does trauma affect our sense of hope, uh, hopefulness, uh, and agency? Yeah. So just as it can impact our sense of safety, security, vulnerability, and have us in, like you said, a constant state of maybe hypervigilance or scanning for threats and waiting for the bad thing to happen. Uh, Trauma also impacts us in the area of kind of agency or power control choice or ability control choice. So as a result of traumatic experiences, people can have deep-seated core beliefs, what they sometimes will call schemas or lenses that say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trapped, I'm helpless, you know, there's nothing I can do. I can't handle dot, 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 whatever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm powerless and, you know, that can roll over pretty quickly and easily into a sense of, well, I'm, you know, I'm hopeless or there's, you know, and, and maybe despite all my prayer and scripture reading and engagement and spiritual disciplines and serving in the church, you know, God hasn't delivered me from this yet. And so that can even reinforce those thoughts even more. Right. So, sure, sure. Oh gosh. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I've been doing all this spiritual churchy stuff and I'm still stuck and I can't get through this. 
Oh, and that's where uh, church life can oftentimes re-traumatize people or um, kind of put burdens on them even more. Yeah, yeah. When, right, Jesus talks about, you know, Pharisaic or the Pharisees maybe, you know, right, putting extra burdens on people that they won't lift a finger to help mm. them carry kind of a thing, right? Like a lot of people experience the church in that way, and the church can do that, you know, when they kind right. of get into a lot of what I sometimes call Nike therapy. Just do it. Just, you know, <laughs> just pray more. Just, you know, just uh, worship harder. Just do more devotions. Just right understand the Bible better and it will just somehow fix all of this as if it's a magic bullet. Right. Right. Well, so then the third one would be, so we talked about faith and uh, kind of sense of safety, hope and power and things like that. But what about this last one about uh, love, like being able to receive and give love. You talk about shame kind of stealing that away as a result of trauma. Yeah. So just as you know, trauma can impact us in a way that, gets us stuck in, you know, fear, anxiety, and difficulties trusting, and just as it can impact us, you know, in a sense of feeling powerless or trapped or stuck and thus, you know, struggling with hope, um, another common area of, you know, negative beliefs and templates that trauma kind of imprints on us is in the area of kind of responsibility and kind of, um, condemnation, obligation, our worth and value. So people as a result of trauma can experience negative templates that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm bad. I'm defective. Mm. I'm not good enough. Uh, or, you know, because of whatever happened or whatever I did or didn't do, I have to dot, 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 you know, always have to fix people, rescue people always have to be perfect. You know, um, I have to make up for this or that. And this, you know, all ends up, you know, fueling a lot of shame for people, you know, and people feeling fundamentally, you know, unlovable, you know, uh, unworthy. And like, if you really knew me, you'd reject me. You know, right. A lot of people carry that on a deeper level than they might even realize, but, um, right. Yeah. So it makes it hard to love, right. To experience, receive love, you know, or to give, you know, sometimes to give love. Right. You know, some people will even, you know, try to self-sabotage in ways because they think I deserve bad, terrible things because of what I did or didn't do. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. and the yeah. self-sabotaging is kind of a, conscious or unconscious um, protection against further hurt or uh, protection against, you know, vulnerability. Uh, I don't want to be in that situation again. I'm never going to be in that situation again where I can get hurt. Um, So, so, and for many uh, people listening, maybe this is kind of like, yeah, yeah, I kind of heard some of this about trauma and things like that. So let's kind of go to this kind of specialty thing that you were kind of talking about uh, or that you, you practice, which is EMDR. Uh, could you explain what it is uh, and kind of how it's different than what maybe a lot of people think of as going to counseling, getting, receiving therapy and things like that? Because it's, it's in, it's pretty different, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, EMDR is a, stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing which sounds very (laughs) wordy and flashy. The originator later said that if she had to do it all over again, she would just call it reprocessing therapy. But it's a model of psychotherapy that uh, um, kind of arose in the late 80s. And they came to find that this could help people reprocess the memories or the experiences that have imprinted these negative beliefs, as well as the distressing emotions that come with that, um, right? Anxiety, fear, shame. Uh, It it could help them reprocess 
you know, what happened in a way that changes how they believe it's kind of stored or associated in the nervous system. And, and then it would kind of uninstall the emotional traumatic charge and then negative beliefs or thoughts that came with that experience. So for example, you know, I'm in danger, I'm, you know, it's unsafe, I'm trapped, helpless, or I'm unlovable, I'm broken, I'm defective, disgusting. Like it would uninstall the emotional charge and negative thought and then kind of counter install or more help people really resonate fully in mind, body, spirit, everything with the the truth that like, you know, I'm safe now or it's over now, or, you know, I can, you know, improve things or I, 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 I have, there's hope or, you know, I am lovable. I matter. Yeah. Stuff like that. And, and the therapy involves, you know, I could, I could spend more time than we have probably getting into this, but it's, it's, uh, built on a, uh, an- well, hold on before we get into the actual process, which I'm really interested in, sure. uh, but you're using kind of like computer language to talk about what's happening is that it's almost like there is, you know, a virus that got, you know, into your mental framework that is either causing processes to slow down and get bogged down or causing them to crash unexpectedly. Uh, so trauma is kind of like, you know, it's this thing that we need to kind of get out of our system. That's, you know, causing a problem. I was kind of thinking it of it almost like, um, neurological shrapnel from traumatic experiences where yeah. it gets, um, embedded in your body in different ways. And so, um, cause you're, the, the name is reprocessing, but that is the idea that there's some sort of dis- disintegrated processing that's happening. So in a traumatic, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but as best as I can tell, traumatic experiences become dis- disintegrated in our bodies, our processing can't process the emotions, perhaps can't process, um, the sensations, the physical sensations, um, or the mental kind of representations. So those kind of all get fragmented. And so we don't have a coherent experience of this traumatic event precisely because it is traumatic. We have now a disintegrated and it can actually get lodged, not in our, in our conscious minds, but in our subconscious nervous systems all throughout the body. Mm-hmm. And so if that's true, then just talking about things doesn't always get at the root problem or solve it. Right. And so this right. is where EMDR kind of comes comes into it. So we have this kind of neurological shrapnel. So EMDR, as far as I could, as I know, is not like a talking kind of therapy. Is that right? But why don't there's, you go into a little bit about what it is practically then? Yeah. So there's talking in it, but uh, it doesn't rely on just talking or just getting more flashes of insight and things to You're not just processing your emotions and talking through a situation. So that's a part of it. But what, what EMDR does is it uh, allows us to get in there and kind of activate the, the body's natural, what they call adaptive information processing system, uh, you know, that, uh, as Christians, we would say we're created with that our nervous system is designed to help us kind of process and heal from, you know, emotional, relational, distressing experiences, kind of like our bodies designed to heal from, you know, cuts, injuries, wounds, right. But what happens with trauma is the, the nature of the experience or, or experiences overwhelms that natural adaptive information processing system. And so gets kind of stuck in there, unmetabolized, you might say unprocessed, like you said, in fragmentary form. So we've got, you know, images, emotions, body sensations, negative beliefs, maybe a threat, trauma threat responses like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, faint, some of that stuff. Um, 
And EMDR goes in, we talk about kind of firing up or lighting up the neural network where the experience or distressing, you know, memory is stored and then activating this natural processing system that we're designed with to help it kind of thread it through, you know, and, and integrate Mm -hmm. and kind of prune or trim off what's maladaptive, unhelpful, not life-giving, you know, retain anything that is, you know, and so it's a, it's a, a powerful form that way. And what it does is it uses um, the body's uh, uh, processing, processing system through what we call, and this is kind of wordy, but dual attention, <laughs> bilateral stimulation. So uh, people, are I used- love it. I'm taking this deep dive, you know, in neuroscience and the bilateral hemispheric kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit about this, please. Yep. So when people think of EMDR, they often think of, you know, somebody watching eye movements going back and forth like this. And they think, Mm -hmm. oh, that seems kind of hokey or, you know, gimmicky or something. And a lot of therapists are skeptical at first about this until they learn it. And then they're like, holy cow, you know. In our family, we call it woo-woo. That's woo-woo. The, there you go. The woo-woo yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so tell us, help us move from the woo-woo to, oh my gosh, this is the brain God has made for us. Yeah. So um, this natural adaptive information processing system that our bodies are designed with uh, operates in part through kind of bi-hemispheric, kind of the brain kind of, you know, working experiences, metabolizing experiences, you know, trimming what's not helpful, adaptive. And they believe like during REM sleep at night, rapid eye movement, you know, people's eyes are doing this, that that's partly the brain kind of, you know, processing Mm -hmm. and integrating things, putting things into memory. Um, And so uh, with EMDR, uh, we activate that. They believe we activate that same mechanism. And so somebody is then engaging in what we call dual attention processing by having one foot, you might say, in the memory or the experience of what happened, the trauma, the adverse life experience, and then another foot in the present moment through that bilateral stimulus, which could be a visual, you know, fingers or a light bar going back and forth, crossing the midline. It could be, you know, tappers, like I have a kind of pulsing tappers that some people will hold one in each hand and it vibrates in alternation. Mm -hmm. Some people use headphones and a tone that goes back and forth. And they think that as somebody's attending to their experience of the memory while attending to that, then in the present, it helps to process and metabolize the the memory and the experience in the, in an adaptive way. And then they also think that back and forth movement, it kind of trims down or titrates a little bit how much somebody is exposed to that memory because a lot of trauma work out there re-traumatizes people by throwing them into it too deep, too fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're totally right. reliving the trauma and regretting going to therapy, which they'd stayed home. And so this kind of trims down how much somebody's exposed to that distressing memory because mm-hmm. this keeps them in the present moment, you know, where they are safe now and, and things like that. Um, and then they also believe this bilateral stimulus uh, stimulation, also helps to kind of tax the working memory a little bit and, um, and keeps the, what they call the orienting response, you know, keep, keep somebody here and now. So. So the word I heard a bunch was integration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Trauma involves dis, like you said, disintegration of, of experience. And then EMDR helps bring about integration. How do I take what I need to from that? Almost like the body with, food, nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. How do I mm-hmm. take and integrate what I need from this and get rid of the waste or what I don't need? What's not conducive to health and life. And Yeah. 
Well, let me let me run through a summary. Just as I was listening, I was taking sure. notes. And you can correct anything that's wrong. So, uh, like our body heals from a sickness or from an, a physical injury, um, you know, our bodies God has made our bodies to recover. So, too, we have this natural, let's see, adaptive information processing system that is meant to kind of function similarly to heal ourselves from kind of like neurological wounds or something like that. Um, and, and so this is a natural thing uh, and it's connected maybe to what happens in REM sleep. Uh, so this is kind of a natural process that hap- this should happen to us each and every day. Um, but kind of when we get stuck or feel outright blocked because of trauma in different ways. This helps to reintegrate the right and left hemispheres. It also reintegrates the past and the present because you were talking about how you're dealing with that kind of painful past memory, but you're in the, in the present uh, and integrating, uh, you didn't say this, but I was just wondering, integrating kind of the implicit and the explicit memory systems uh, mm-hmm. and consciousness systems and things like that. So we're kind of seeking to reintegrate kind of this disintegrated kind of experience through mm-hmm these uh through this different process how is that what is it yeah no that's good Uh, yeah you mentioned implicit and explicit you know kinds of stuff right so implicit memory is often more emotional and somatic or bodily so people can experience you know sometimes what we call emotional flashbacks Mm -hmm. you know of trauma they're they're re-experiencing the the dread and terror of something that happened when they were even two or three or four you know they don't they don't know where it's coming from you know it's it's an implicit memory you know other people are experiencing you know some of that along with maybe the explicit like oh i remember when this happened when i was 12 Mm -hmm. and you know over at their house and whatever and so um yeah, sure. this helps to kind of get stuff that's stored in different parts of the brain, you know, kind of together and so it can process. Right. Um, you know, back to talk therapy, like so much of just talking, just trying to kind of better understand and insight our way through things without involving some of the body work that in, is involved in EMDR, processing somatic sensations, some of the deeper emotional currents. A lot of talk therapy out there, I tell people when it comes to, to treating trauma, it's kind of like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You know, <laughs> people just want to kind of talk about this thing, hoping it will heal them. And that's why a lot of people can have years in therapy if they've had trauma and find that they still profoundly struggle, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. they've been doing most of their therapeutic work in the cortex, mm-hmm. often in the left hemisphere of the cortex, which of course the history of theology and the church and philosophy just loves, right? Language, logic, linear thought, analysis, right? And they're trying to improve things there, but the trauma is not stored there. It's stored mm-hmm. in a different part of the brain. So they're not in the right department, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, the healing they're trying to do. So EMDR really gets people down into the deeper recesses of where stuff is stored in the brain and helps it process. Amen. Well, that, you know, as a theologian who can be very stuck in the left hemisphere, you know, this is why John one fourteen is so important. The word, the logos became flesh. And, go. yeah. and lived with us. And so this is why an embodied uh, faith and embodied theology is so important because it takes these things so seriously. So, uh, really quick then, um, how would you, um, not that only pastors or, you know, church leaders listen to this podcast. Uh, I know many kind of uh, people do, but how, how would you want to encourage people or pastors or leaders or family members to kind of think about EMDR? Because, um, I think there are people who are, um, they go to church and they do the spiritual things. And then there's other people who are like, uh, I've even gone to therapy and it's like, I'm still not finding the results. And so what, 
What would you want to say to those people about EMDR and the, the kind of the spiritual life and life in the church? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would say, you know, I, I'm not surprised if people have found that, you know, a lot of what they've experienced in maybe previous therapies or even in the church hasn't quite, you know, had the effects that they hope if they've carried trauma because trauma imprints on the nervous system in a way that, you know, uh, then also develops a number of defenses. That's part of the challenge here. People develop mm-hmm. defenses to try to insulate and buffer from re-experiencing or feeling the difficult stuff, but then those very defenses keep it stuck. And, um, you know, EMDR in my experience really can help people find a freedom that they haven't found, you know, uh, from their trauma in, in other domains and, and, mm-hmm. you know, including even in the church oftentimes and what, um, What's beautiful is that EMDR can integrate just wonderfully with someone's Christian commitments and values and faith. And, and you know, people often uh, will even use the word kind of miraculous sometimes to describe how they experience the effects of, of EMDR, you know, as they get freedom, you know, in mind. So those negative thoughts, freedom and emotions. Wow, I'm not anxious about this anymore. Uh, freedom in their bodies. I don't feel that ball of tension in my gut or that, you know, burden on my shoulders anymore. They feel a, a freedom that, that comes from this. And what's beautiful is that unlike so many therapies that are trying to get people to kind of maybe counter and challenge negative thoughts, talk themselves into, you know, maybe if I just remind myself of the truth enough, right? Tell myself the truth from scripture enough, that will change this. Uh, EMDR doesn't involve that. The change happens naturally, spontaneously, organically as a result of the processing. So, you know, people can shift from, you know, I'm in danger to I'm okay now from I'm, I'm powerless trapped to, you know, uh, I'm going to be okay. And I can, I can do this from I'm unlovable, worthless, not good enough to, you know, I am lovable. I am, I'm good enough. You know, mm. the, they experience that naturally. They walk away from processing sessions, not having tried to talk themselves into it. It just, mm. it, it organically arises and resonates, which is so beautiful and powerful. Oh, I love that. Well, it's, as you were saying that, I was thinking back to the analogy of physical health and um, healing, because you can't, when you're sick, you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to get better right now is when I'm going to start getting better. I'm going to start feeling better in five minutes. And if you have a big cut, you know, on your leg from, you know, rock climbing or something like I did, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't just be like, okay, that's going to heal by tomorrow morning. I know it, Mm -hmm. right? You can't just think and will your way into that kind of healing. And what I hear is that EMDR kind of, um, it kind of flows into that similar kind of pathway, uh, but through our nervous system and allows for the natural healing. Um, But on the same, you know, uh, in the same way of thinking about it, like you do have responsibility over your physical health, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and that's where I think the spiritual disciplines or church life kind of comes in is like, well, we still have, you know, you're still responsible for what you eat and what you drink and for your exercise and taking care of your body. That doesn't mean you can force your way into getting better from a cold, but you can help your immune system to be stronger. And so spiritual practices, you know, whatever they might be in Mm -hmm. your spiritual tradition, are good for all those things, right? And so we never want to say like, oh, that's worthless, like just go get therapy. So I'm never saying that. I'm sure you would never say that, right? So these things need to be working together. So I have one uh, curiosity question. I have several friends who, you know, would get, you know, EMDR, EMDR treatments and they would say, either for the rest of the day or even the next day that they're just wiped out. They're mm-hmm. exhausted. Now, why is that? Why is it that there, there seems to be such a high physical toll after a treatment, not just an emotional or kind of mental one? 
Yeah, yeah. Often we'll describe the processing of EMDR as accelerated reprocessing. So, you know, it might take somebody, you know, outside of a therapeutic, you know, concentrated therapeutic context to, you know, it might take the months, maybe even years, you know, to process a difficult experience and get to a place of like, I don't carry that emotional charge anymore, or I've kind of grieved, you know, I've gotten to a different place of, you know, grieving acceptance, let's say, or I'm no longer, you know, uh, carrying the negative thought, but EMDR is an accelerated reprocessing. And so it can condense, (laughs) you know, into, you know, uh, a session or two, what might otherwise take somebody, you know, a good long time to process through. And so, yeah, you're, you're working, you know, your emotional circuitry, your bodily somatic circuitry. Um, and, and, you know, by the time people are done, yeah, there's often like a, you know, wiped out. So we'll, you know, I'll often tell people like, you know, what do you have going on the rest of the day today? Like if you need to be on point, you know, uh, you know, at a hundred percent, uh, on your job, let's, let's maybe hold off until next week for that session. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of work that gets done in the nervous system. Well, and it just goes again to that physical healing kind of sense. If you are sick, you need to take a break, you know, and you need to rest so that your body can recover. Uh, and so this is, you know, it's a very kind of similar thing. If you have trauma that hasn't processed, once you start processing it, it's going to take energy. Uh, and so yeah. our bodies, our mental, our physical, spiritual lives are all together. They're not separate. So the energy to one is going to pull from energy from another. And, and that's yeah. the way God made us. Yeah. Yeah. And yet what's so neat and beautiful about EMDR is that so many efforts to change in our lives, you know, frankly, whether we're talking about quote, self-help or spirituality or anything, so much of it for people is bent on control, mm-hmm. like control and changes, whether control my thoughts to get the right beliefs or whether, you know, control my behaviors to improve things like with EMDR, the the platform for EMDR is really more in, in line with like a contemplative tradition, Mm. more about just being present and in the present and attending, attuning to what is happening in this moment with me right now. And just allowing, you know, that the, allowing the, the processing system to do its own work, um, you know, produces better results, you know, and frankly, even more powerful insight, you know, for people than, all of the attempts to wisely, sagely <laughs> unpack and talk about deep stuff in sessions. It's, mm. it's amazing. And so, you know, this is where, you know, for both myself as a, as a therapist and, and for some of my clients who are believers who have done EMDR with me, you know, they can feel like, oh, wow, I am encountering God's power here because this isn't me, <laughs> you know, mm. this isn't me like making this through my, you know, skillful, tactful thinking processes or trying to change my behaviors. It's also not the therapist being, you know, some kind of a, you know, magical wise sage or something like, you know, we're facilitators, you know, we help right. jump started if it gets stuck and things like that. And maybe a little bit of directing, but most of it is just the system processing it as God has designed it to We just help people be present to that. Yeah. So control and power and attempt to make it happen. Just table that that gets in the way actually. Yeah. For sure. Well, I love that linking to the t- contemplative tradition of uh, learning how to be here and receive the things that God has for you rather than striving and trying to control or make something happen. And, and so that's why, you know, on this original question, can EMDR facilitate? So it can't make it happen, uh, but it's, you know, could possibly facilitate spiritual breakthrough to allow us to um, kind of receive that faith, hope, and love in a deeper way. Um, not for everybody all the time, um, but it's another way that God has, you know, made us to kind of recover from trauma, from sin, from 
brokenness. So. Yeah. Well, Shane, thanks so much for your time and for everyone who's been listening. Yeah, uh, please sure. like and subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel or on Facebook. And of course, you can listen on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get uh, podcasts. Uh, so please check it out. Uh, and yeah, any last thoughts or comments, uh, Shane, for us? Um, in terms of some, some interesting kind of overlap, you know, uh, some people have found that, you know, EMDR, you know, has, has some, has some interesting connections with like spiritual direction, a lot of which is, you know, kind of trying to be present, right. To, you know, what is maybe God saying or doing, or, you know, how can I experience what God has right here in this moment? You know, I'm kind of sitting here today in my in-laws, you know, father-in-law's office and, you know, they have a spiritual direction, you know, kind of training practice, the the contemplative activist. And like, as they talk about what they do with people, it's like, wow, there's some similarity there, you know, like be present, don't try to force it and change it, you know, be present to this and see what, see what happens. And then, you know, in, uh, uh, you know, the vineyard tradition, for example, they approach prayer in ways that are very similar to that. Let's not yeah. try to strong arm God with all the, you know, the right words and, 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 uh, you know, um, yeah. yeah, just be present to and see what happens here. So, well, I love it. Uh, my wife's a spiritual director, so maybe yeah. we could all have her on and kind of talk about the similarities mm-hmm. and differences. And, but in my mind, and this is why, you know, uh, I'm hosting this podcast in body faith is because, you know, I want us to be able to integrate these different traditions, the psychological, therapeutic neuroscience, uh, but also the spiritual traditions, contemplative spirituality, spiritual direction, things like that. I think these things all need to be working together, but sometimes, you know, we've been raised in church environments where they feel opposed. So let's continue that work of breaking it down again. Thank you so much you for your time. I've really appreciate it. Mm, thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate your show. Yeah.